Good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. My name is Adam, I'm the executive pastor here. I'm excited to have the honor to be able to stand before you this morning and preach. We wanna especially welcome everyone that is joining us online. Uh, normally this is the time where we welcome our campuses as well, but today our plan was that the campus pastors in Grayson and Ashland, they get to preach live there today. Let's go ahead and give it up for them. They get a chance to do that at their campuses. And then you guys get me here, your executive pastor, and uh, I'm excited to be able to do this. But definitely pray for me. Uh, Monday this past week, I had no voice. And uh, so the Lord has blessed and I can, I can speak today. And, um, but uh, I had a little coughing spell last week service, but anyway, I am ready, I'm excited, and uh, hopefully you as well. Thanksgiving was uh, restful, it was uh, maybe restorative and time to, to reflect. For me, I had probably one of the top 10 meals in my whole life, right? You all know what I'm talking about, like it was good, and I can remember, I had forgotten about this because it had been a long time, but like when I was a teenager, I would literally sometimes eat until I hurt, you guys know what I'm talking about? Wednesday night, I ate until I hurt. Like, it was bad. It, it was so good, but it was bad. And so I've repented of that, and uh, we're here. And, uh, but hopefully you enjoyed Thanksgiving. Before I get any further, though, I know Sadie just came up here and she told you about our Gifts of Hope program. I wanna take just a quick commercial break for that. We are so excited to be able to launch that initiative today. And uh, just even for online, you guys can participate in this, but we, uh, as a whole church, three locations, we have an opportunity this Christmas to impact uh, 288 kids, over 150 families. If all the gifts are purchased and brought back, almost $15,000 will go out to help send gifts of hope to kids in our region and as an opportunity for our church. Anytime I get the opportunity to tell other churches or when I'm speaking to other people, it is a privilege to be a part of such a giving and a generous church. And so I'm so excited about what God's going to do through this program. Just to reiterate, um, we have partnered with local recovery centers all throughout our region from, more, uh, from Round County to Bath County to Carter County to Boyd County. And for uh, moms and dads that are in the midst of recovery, obviously just being separated as a family during this time is so, so difficult. But uh, we as the church, individually, on behalf, not on behalf of the church, but on behalf of the mom or the dad in recovery, we get the opportunity to be able to send a gift directly to them on behalf of their parent this Christmas. Let's go, that's amazing. And so when you go out after service today, we've got two trees out there, we've got a boy tree, we've got a girl tree, the tags are separated by ages. So some of you uh, were suggested $50 a gift, uh, some of you, maybe one or two or three families can come together to partner to, to buy one Christmas gift for a family. For some of you, maybe that's three, four, or five gifts that your family can, can provide for. I don't know what that is, but we are so excited to be able to have this opportunity, uh, not just here in Moorhead, but all across the region, to be able to send gifts of hope to children this Christmas. So, in the commercial, I'll talk about that one more time. Sadie will remind you of those details at the end. But back to Thanksgiving. Listen, my wife tells me this all the time, but I'm just becoming an old man. And listen, I, I'm, I am leaning into it. Uh, I've always been a morning person, but like I'm getting up really early and I enjoy it, right? Like I look forward 
the house is quiet, nobody's up running around. Uh, when I go into gas stations, I feel this odd compulsion to buy a newspaper, right? Those, those still exist. Uh, but this past week, I, 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 like I said, I, I didn't have a voice on Monday and I was trying to kind of nurse it because and, 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 I knew I was gonna preach. And, and so I found some time that I was just thinking, like how old man the thing is that, just to sit around thinking, right? Uh, take action, right? But I, I was just thinking, and, and, and of course, I'm sure you've seen some things on the news about Thanksgiving and people trying to rewrite the history and you know the 35 plus uh, those of us in the crowd, like we learned one version of history and everybody younger than that, like you're learning this whole other version. And at the end of the day, listen, none of us were there. Who knows where it goes? But I, I decided to uh, do a little research, thankful to Google, you know, you don't have to go sit in the library and spend hours and hours researching. And, and I was interested, not necessarily the, the very beginning origins of Thanksgiving, but what made Thanksgiving be what it is today in our country. And so real quick search, I, I came up with uh, the original proclamation that uh, George Washington gave October the 3rd, 1789. He designated Thursday, November the 26th as a national day of thanks in his proclamation Washington declared November 26th as this National Day of Thanks, but it, it sprung from the necessity that from the Almighty's care of Americans prior to the revolution, assistance to them in achieving independence and help in establishing the constitutional government. Now in the timeline of things, this was almost eight years to the day after the battle uh, and the victory at Yorktown, which most would uh, indicate as the uh, deciding victory in the war for independence. And so, I just began to, to think about that and I couldn't get past the fact that this was 1789, 233 years later. And one, I was just blown away by the fact that they, they, the government was issuing a proclamation that we should thank God, right, for his providence. But the other thing that I kept coming around and thinking about was the fact how much life has changed in 233 years, right? I mean, just allow yourself to, to ponder on that a little bit from like horseback and carriage, if you're like my family, two, maybe even three at times, personal vehicles just to come to church, right? Um, from a life primarily lived for sustenance to, to buying everything we need to live from the store or even getting it shipped directly to our house. I mean, if you just think about most of the things that we spend our money on, they didn't even exist then, right? And we work and toil and spend all these time on our careers and our hobbies. But I think, I mean, most of us would agree, all these have been like wildly positive changes to our way of life, right? I mean, indoor plumbing, can I get a witness, right? I mean, that's, that's amazing, right? On cold mornings, that particularly is amazing. However, here's the question. In, in light of all these advancements and the creature comforts and the overall improved way that we do life, do we live a more happy, a more contented, a more fulfilled life? Psychologist David Myers, citing many different studies, including Gallup polls and all these other things, I'm gonna just kinda condense all that into a paragraph, and he particularly looked over the last half century, so the last 50 years, the average U.S. citizen's buying power has almost tripled. Did this greater wealth enabling twice as many Cars per person, not to mention iPads, smartphones, HD TVs, did that also buy us more happiness? The average American, though certainly richer, is not a bit happier. In, in 1957, 
uh, a survey said that some 35% of Americans indicated that they were very happy. Same question in 2012, 33%, slightly fewer. Uh, another quote from a Dick Meyer, same last name, different person. Um, he is a, a reporter for the Seattle Times. He said that we are in the midst of a happiness crisis. Despite the statistics that prove that humans never had it so good, we don't feel so good. And that, you know, that, that's not earth shattering, right? We look across the, the span of our, our world today, and this isn't just a US problem, it's, it's across the entire world. We are living in troubling times. But here's where I wanna spend the next few moments today, is I believe that we, in looking through God's word, I believe we can pull out a few very practical next steps that ultimately will lead us to live, maybe you say happy life, maybe a more contented life. Literally the name of our church is Better Life Church. We believe there is a better life for you to live. Real quick, crowd participation, who wants to live a happier life, right? Come on, all across the room, great job. You get a gold sticker. Um, but at the end of Philippians chapter four, we see Paul address some of these things. The reality is that the, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about happiness, right? And, and partly because happiness is, is just that. It is based upon the happenings in our life, right? I mean, when, when things go the way we want them to, we are happy. When they don't, well, we're not. But it does have a lot to say about things like hope and peace and joy. These are things that as followers of Jesus, we are to be Full of, We are to literally be ambassadors of these to the rest of the world. So the question is, how? And at the end of Philippians chapter four, Paul tells us that he's discovered a secret. Who doesn't like a good secret, right? We wanna end on this secret, right? Paul, tell us what you have learned. And so we're gonna jump in here today and we're gonna read about this secret that Paul has discovered. So if you got your Bibles today, go ahead and turn there, and as you are, I'm gonna go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're gonna jump right in. Father, we thank you so much for, once again, the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just giving us the health, and the breath, the voice to speak today. But God, I pray over the next few moments, Lord, that uh, no one remembers anything that I said, but Lord, everything that you speak through me. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and the honor, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, picking up right here, Philippians chapter four, verse one. It says, so then, my dearly beloved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Yodia and I urge Sintich, I have no idea how to say those names, but you say them quickly and confidently. Nobody else knows the difference. All right, verse three, yes, I also ask you, my true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my sign, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Real quick, take a little break. Context, Pastor Neon says us this all the time, it's very important when we jump into God's words to understand the context. And so, I've already alluded to the fact this is Paul writing here, he is the author of this epistle, it's a letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi. Specifically here, he is addressing, and this is very important, he is, he is addressing those who are followers of Jesus Christ. We're gonna talk about some practical next steps, but the very base, this is the assumption Paul is making here, 
is that the steps that he's about to tell, even the secret that he's about to share is predicated upon the fact that they are a follower of Jesus Christ. The better life begins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, I'm gonna assume that today, but at the end, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, there is gonna be an opportunity for you to set that straight. But the better life, it will not happen apart from your relationship with him. And so, one other important context, Paul is sitting in prison, all right? So that's important to know. As he's writing this letter, he's literally sitting in chains in prison. All right, it's picking up here, verse four. It says, rejoice in the Lord, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests of God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, these few verses and the next three, you could literally preach an entire series just on this passage. And this isn't the, fully the intent of the message today, but I think it indicates some very important things. Two things I wanna point out here. The first thing is, it talks about this idea of peace. And, and once again, we say this all the time, peace is not just a feeling, it's a person. And for so many of us, even as followers of Jesus, we need peace in our life. And, and I'm not saying that Jesus is not a part of your life, but your schedule is so busy, and I'm preaching to myself here, you ain't got no time for peace, right? You move from this thing to this thing to this thing to this thing, and then not until your head hits the pillow do you even have a thought, a moment, to just rest in the assurance and the peace that comes with knowing Jesus Christ? And so, once again, I'm preaching to myself here, we need peace, but Paul gives us a prescription here for how to achieve this peace in our life. Here's one other note, and this one is kind of a side note, and we'll just call this free today, but it really jumped out to me. He talked about here in verse, um, uh, talked about that to, to bring your prayers and your petitions with thanksgiving. Now maybe you say it like this, maybe you say with gratitude. But I know for myself, this is what just kinda, it just slapped me in the face. I am really not good when it comes to gratitude. And just a couple of side notes. You know, I think this can affect, obviously, our relationship with the Lord, but 100%, it can also affect our relationship with other people. So. Once again, if you're taking notes, you write these down, these won't be on the screen, but here's a couple of things that I wanted to point out just as I studied and learned about gratitude. It says, the lack of gratitude says that what was given to me, really it was owed, right? Really, you owed it to me. Thanks God for waking me up this morning. Thank you for giving me hell. Thank you for uh, allowing me to come and worship at a, a, an awesome place where there's heat and a padded chair, right, and somebody's made me coffee already, ready to go, right, I can come in and, and worship. Thank you that I have food on the table and a warm place to sleep, but really, I mean, come on, that's just expected, right? That's just, that's just owed to me. Lack of gratitude, that's, that's what it says. Here's, a, here's another one that really stood out to me. Unexpressed gratitude is still in gratitude. You see, this is something that I do. I, I think gratitude. I think about it, I, I, I'm thankful, 
that my wife did this for me or that for me. Sometimes I'll even tell other people that I'm thankful for. Sometimes I'll tell other people that I'm thankful for the Lord, but I don't speak it. And so unexpressed gratitude is still ingratitude. It's not just enough to think about it. And here's one more point. Ingratitude, among other things, can indicate an inflated view of self. It says, I could have done this without you. I could have done this without you, right? Specifically, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we, we take the fact that we have the smarts, the physical ability, the, the uh, opportunities that we have, a lot of times we just take those for granted. And we don't, we're not thankful for those. And so infusing gratitude into our daily life, practicing that will be huge. And I'm excited to be able to begin applying that. And so, so with Thanksgiving, we need peace. But Paul continues on here. Uh, verse uh, eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and, we see this again, here's the same idea, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Once again, peace is not just a feeling, it's a person. And so this second prescription here really focuses on our thought life. What do we dwell on? The first part there talks about these anxious thoughts, these worrisome thoughts. And man, for some of us, we are like, we are like, we have a master's degree in anxiety and worry, right? I mean, we just, they come in and we can't always control what comes into our mind. But the Bible tells us to take those, that's, those thoughts captive, make them obedient to the word of God. Where are you from? Is that true? And he tells us to dwell on those things that are right, those things that are pure, those things that are lovely. I started doing this with, with, um, with my kids when they were younger, and, and now I find myself even with Rhett, he's three, and uh, he's kinda in that phase where he sees monsters in his room, right? Or he's afraid when we turn off the lights. And, and so I begin to tell him, Rhett, think about like puppy dogs and ice cream cones and, and things like that, right? For him, those are right and those are lovely. Those are, those are like the best things ever. And so what, is, what does your thought life look like? What do you spend your time dwelling on, that's the, that's the key there. We can't, we can't necessarily stop those thoughts from coming in, but we can stop ourselves. We can redirect, we can keep ourselves from dwelling on those things. So um, all of those things together will bring help, peace, and then don't forget that in that first part in verse seven, it says that that will help guard our mind. Man, who doesn't need that? Help guard our mind and allow that peace to reign. So all that was kind of set up, it was all kind of backstory. Finally, we're starting to get to this secret. And I don't believe in this next passage that Paul necessarily tells us exactly what the secret is yet, but he begins to tell us about the secret. Here's verse 10, let's pick up there. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little and I know how to make do with a lot. 
In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. So here's the first point about this secret. If you're taking notes, write this down. Contentment, it's not earned, it's learned. Two different times here we see Paul say that he learned something, right? He's learned this. And so maybe this isn't as profound as it is to you as it was to me, but if I kind of peel back and even think about my own life, at the core belief about things that make me happy, generally it is something to do with when I get X or when I get Y, right? Maybe it was that new truck. I finally got a new truck. And I'll tell you, it brought happiness for a little bit of time, but then I had to start paying for it, right? All right, I mean, this is being honest. This core belief that maybe if I get that new truck or that new house or that job or that promotion or if I make just a little bit more money, then I'll be happy, right? Now, for a lot of us in the room, if you're just honest with yourself, you've, you've attained, you've earned something on that list, right? And it, and it brought some happiness for a season, but it didn't last. In my experience, that happiness quickly just becomes the expectation Right, it's just the new normal. And that desire for what that once was now gets replaced by something else, right? You finally got that iPhone upgrade, now just get every iPhone upgrade, right? Once you get the new car, well now you have to keep getting new cars, right? It's just two years later you get another one, or whatever that is. Those are temporary. Those bring happiness for a season, but they do not last. Contentment is learned, it's not earned. So let's go back and let's, let's read that passage again. Once again, Paul doesn't tell us what the secret is yet, but I believe uh, the next logical question is, how did you learn it? So let's read that again, starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned for me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little and I know how to do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. You know, there, there's some things that the Bible says that I, I really wish that it didn't. John 16, says that in this life, we will have trouble. It's a fact. We're gonna have trouble, right? And there's gonna be some things that happen in your life that the world says should devastate you, right? Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe you hear the words cancer. Those things that should devastate you. I believe people are gonna be watching as we walk through those. They, they are watching. Paul is basically saying, hey, I, I've experienced these things. I've experienced the highs and I've experienced the lows. I know what it is to live in poverty. I know what it is to live in abundance. Remember, he's literally in prison for preaching the gospel as he is pending this letter. Over the last couple months, I've had the privilege of, of uh, just walking beside a family who has heard this devastating news. And as they've walked through it, it, it I, I've been amazed, and I know you guys have seen Examples of this as, as well, but something that should have destroyed their faith, something that 
should have caused them to question God. They didn't do any of that. In fact, it renewed their faith. In fact, it made them more bold to share about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I've watched as other people have watched them and been amazed by this. And I've shared this quote oftentimes, C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain. He says this, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I've used this quote, I love this quote. I think there's so much truth in it. But oftentimes I've used this in reference to the fact that God will use pain in your life to get your attention. And I think that is true, partly. But I think it's also equally true that sometimes he'll use pain in your life to get someone else's attention. You see, it's our response to these things in our life that should devastate us, that should cause us to kind of question everything that we once knew. But when we go through that and it produces something completely different, it produces humbleness, it produces love, it produces hope, it produces love, it produces joy and peace, a lost world looks at that and they are attracted, they are curious, they're like, how? They have no choice but to look and to, under, to un, just question our God and, and be in awe and in wonder. To, I believe God will use those things, not just to get our attention, but certainly to get others as well. So finally, verse 13, we've made it to the secret. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? All right. Philippians 4.13, this, this is one of the famous verses of the Bible, right? Y'all probably know this by heart, you might not have the reference memorized, but Philippians 4.13 says this, I am able to do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. Are you surprised? The answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus, right? It's a Sunday school answer. But, but no, for real, this, like I said, it's a famous verse, you've heard it before, what does it mean? It is this, the, the older I get, the more I, I, I learn and I grow more like Jesus, the more I realize that, that the biggest obstacles I have to overcome in my life are the mindsets, the perspectives that I have. And many of you, you'll remember Tim Tebow, right? A quarterback for the University of Florida, two-time national champion, kind of a bust in the NFL, but I thought he, I thought he kind of got a raw deal. I thought he could have done much better if somebody would have given him a chance. But anyway, he wrote Philippians 4.13 on his eye black, right? That, that, that kind of became this, this big thing. And, and the implication there is that it wasn't his strength that propelled him to victory, but it was the, the strength of Christ. And, and to be even more accurate, we just came through the Holy Spirit series, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that gives you strength to endure, to flourish through any and all circumstances. So, really quick, there's a couple of things that I just wanna give a couple of disclaimers. I think the Bible says what it says. God says what he means to say, but there's a few things that Paul's not saying here. Notice that the, the, the scripture says all things. It doesn't say anything. It says all things. This is not a blanket endorsement that God will support anything that we set out to do and empower us to do whatever impossible things that we can imagine. However, it is an assurance that we can do whatever God 
calls us to do. This isn't a biblical exhortation that you can stamp on whatever goals that you have, professionally, personally, or physically, but it is an encouragement that God can give you the strength to be content, to be at peace, no matter what. So what's the secret? Secret begins with faith in Jesus, and then it continues by trusting in God's providence, his power, literally that lives inside of you. And just like we sang through Waymaker, his promises. The Bible tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? <coughs> Couple application points for you as we close today. How can we put this into practice? The first thing that we talked about, practice gratitude. Literally practice gratitude. Listen, I use that word practice specifically. This isn't something for, for those of you, I think some of you, it just comes natural. For most of us, it is not. How do you get better at it? Literally, you practice it. You practice it. You practice it in your prayer life. You practice it as you communicate and you speak to your spouse. You practice it as you speak to your kids when you interact with other people. Practice gratitude. Application two, take your thoughts captive. We talked about that, right? Take your thoughts captive. Don't dwell on those, those things that produce anxiety in your life. Don't dwell on those worrisome thoughts. Yes, they are possible. But just because they're possible doesn't make them probable. And remember, Christ living in you will give you the strength to endure all things that he has called you to do. We didn't specifically talk about this, but this is so vitally important. Stop comparing yourself to others. There's nothing that you can do in your life that will tear down your happiness, your contentment, your joy, your peace, than when you compare yourself to others. There's this passage in the Gospels where Peter uh, is kind of getting this pep talk from Jesus, and Jesus is kind of walking him through all the things that he's gonna do and endure, and, and he looks over at John, and he says, well, what about him? Jesus says, don't worry about him. Worry about yourself. You see, when we compare ourselves to others, we're gonna find people that we're better than, we're gonna find people that we're less than. But see, we don't compare ourselves to others, we compare ourselves to Jesus. And every single time we compare ourselves to Jesus, guess what? We got a long way to go. So stop comparing ourselves to others. Fourth one, serve and encourage others. Serve and encourage others. This is how many times we can get just locked in on ourselves. We can get focused and kind of in this completely inward focus. Serving and encouraging others gets that out, right? Don't think about ourselves so much, think about others. For some of you, a great application point today would be able to go right out in the resource area, walk through that, pick a, a tag off of a tree and be a part of bringing hope to that child this Christmas. These, these tags are not, they're not generic. Every tag that you pick up off a tree, that's a specific child who's gonna be separated from their mom or dad this Christmas and man, they're gonna be in need of some hope and you can be a part of bringing that to them. Last application point I'd share with you today, be content with what you have, but not necessarily with where you are. Be content with what you have, but not necessarily with where you are. Here's what I mean by that. Continue to grow. Like I said, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we've got a long way to go. So keep growing, keep moving, keep walking towards Jesus. 
you're a follower of Jesus today, thank God you aren't where you once were, but, but we're not yet to the full measure and standard of Jesus Christ. Continue to grow, continue to pursue him, put him first, and as Matthew 6.33 says, everything else is gonna work itself out. Thank you all so much for joining us online today. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you. But anyways, guys, man, we are, uh, like I said, just so glad that you were able to join us. And maybe today uh, you're curious about maybe what your next step is on your journey with Jesus. Or maybe today you took your very first step of giving your life to Jesus. And first off, I just wanna say, man, I'm so proud of you. And man, God is gonna do something amazing in and through you. But we just wanna celebrate with you. Like I said, whether you're curious what your next step may be, or maybe it was your first step in following Jesus, I wanna encourage you all to go to betterlife.church slash next steps. Let us know just so we can help you on your journey with Jesus and also celebrate with you. But also, if you would like to financially uh, support what God is doing in this region, uh, in your city, in, in your town, or just all over the world, you can go to betterlife.church give, and you can financially support Better Life Ministry and what God is doing here. Also, just like to say, if you have, uh, if you want to stay connected with us throughout the week, you can download the Better Life Church app on any major platform. Stay connected with us. We have scripture there. We have so many things there to connect with you just throughout the week as well. But anyways, guys, thank you all so much for checking us out online today, and we cannot wait to connect with you. See you next week.